Chapter Nineteen of Ruggles of Red Gap by Harry Leon Wilson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nineteen. Echoes of the Monday night dinner reached me the following day. The affair had passed off pleasantly enough. The members of the Bohemian set conducting themselves quite as persons who mattered, with the exception of the Klondike woman herself, who I gathered had descended to a mood of most indecorous liveliness considering who the guest of honour was she had not only played and sung those noisy native folk-songs of hers but she had it seemed conducted herself with a certain facetious familiarity toward his lordship every now and then said cousin egbert my principal informant she'd whirl in and josh the cap all over the place about them funny whiskers he wears she told him out and out he'd just got to lose them shocking rudeness i exclaimed oh sure sure he agreed yet without indignation and the cap just hated her for it you could tell that by the way he looked at her oh he hates her something terrible he just can't bear the sight of her naturally enough i observed though there had been an undercurrent to his speech that i thought almost quite a little odd his accents were queerly placed had i not known him too well i should have thought him trying to be deep i recalled his other phrases that mrs effie was seeing which way a cat would leap and that the klondike person would hand the ladies of the north side set a lemon squash i put them all down as childish prattle and said as much to the mixer later in the day as she had a dish of tea at the grill yes sourdough's right she observed that earl just hates the sight of her can't bear to look at her a minute but she too intoned the thing queerly he's putting pressure to bear on her i said pressure said the mixer and then hum very dryly with this news however it was plain as a pillar-box that things were going badly with his lordship's effort to release the honourable george from his entanglement the woman doubtless with his compromising letters would be holding out for a stiffish price she would think them worth no end and plainly again his lordship had thrown off his mask was unable longer to conceal his aversion for her this to be sure was more in accordance with his character as i had long observed it if he hated her it was like him to show it when he looked at her i mean he was quite like that with almost any one I hoped, however, that diplomacy might still save us all sorts of a nasty row. To my relief, when the pair appeared for tea that afternoon, a sight no longer causing the least sensation, I saw that his lordship must have returned to his first or diplomatic manner. Doubtless he still hated her, but one would little have suspected it from his manner of looking at her. I mean to say, he looked at her another way the opposite way in fact 
he was being subtle in the extreme i fancied it must have been her wretched levity regarding his beard that had goaded him into the exhibitions of hatred noted by cousin egbert and the mixer unquestionably his lordship may be goaded in no time if one deliberately sets about it at the time doubtless he had sliced a drive or two as one might say but now he was back in form again i confess i was not a little sorry for the creature seeing her there so smartly taken in by his effusive manner he was having her on in the most obvious way and she poor dupe taking it all quite seriously prime it was though considering the creature's designs and i again marvelled that in all the years of my association with his lordship i had never suspected what a topping sort he could be at this game his mask was now perfect it recalled indeed cousin egbert's simple but telling phrase about the honourable george he looks at her it could now have been said of his lordship with the utmost significance to any but those in the know and so began quite as had the first the second week of his lordship's stay among us knowing he had booked a return from cook's i fancied that results of some sort must soon ensue the pressure he was putting on the woman must begin to tell and this was the extreme of the encouragement i was able to offer the belknap jacksons both he and his wife were of course in a bit of a state nor could i blame them with an earl for house-guest they must be content with but a glimpse of him at odd moments rather a barren honour they were finding it his lordship's confidences with the woman were unabated when not secluded with her at her own establishment he would be abroad with her in her trap or in the car of belknap jackson the owner however no longer drove his car he had never taken another chance and well i knew these activities of his lordship's were being basely misconstrued by the gossips the cap is certainly some queener remarked cousin egbert which perhaps reflected the view of the deceived public at this time the curious term implying that his lordship was by way of being a bit of a dog but calm i remained under these aspersions counting upon a clean-cut vindication of his lordship's methods when he should have got the woman where he wished her i remained i repeat serenely confident that a signal triumph would presently crown his lordship's subtly planned attack and then at midweek i was rudely shocked to the suspicion that all might not be going well with his plan i had not seen the pair for a day and when they did appear for their tea i instantly detected a profound change in their mutual bearing his lordship still looked at the woman but the raillery of their past meetings had gone too plainly something momentous had occurred even the woman was serious had they fought to the last stand would she have been too much for him i mean to say 
was the honourable george cooked i now recalled that i had observed an almost similar change in the latter's manner his face wore a look of wildest gloom that might have been mitigated perhaps by a proper trimming of his beard but even then it would have been remarked by those who knew him well i divined i repeat that something momentous had now occurred and that the honourable george was one not least affected by it rather a sleepless night i passed wondering fearfully if after all his lordship would have been unable to extricate the poor chap from this sordid entanglement had the creature held out for too much had she refused to compromise would there be one of those appalling legal things which our best families so often suffer what if the victim were to cut off home nor was my trepidation allayed by the cryptic remark of mrs judson as i passed her at her tasks in the pantry that morning a prince in his palace not too good that's what i said she shot the thing at me with a manner suspiciously near to flippancy i sternly demanded her meaning i mean what i mean she retorted shutting her lips upon it in a definite way she has well enough i knew the import of her uncivil speech but i resolved not to bandy words with her because in my position it would be undignified because further of an unfortunate effect she has upon my temper at such times she's being terrible careful about her associates she presently went on with a most irritating effect of addressing only herself nothing at all but just dukes and earls and lords day in and day out too often when the woman seems to wish it she contrives to get me in motion as the american saying is and it is deeply to be regretted i replied with dignity that other persons must say less of themselves if put to it well she knew what i meant despite my previous clear warning she had more than once accepted small gifts from the cattle persons hank and buck and had even been seen brazenly in public with them at a cinema palace one of a more suspicious nature than i might have guessed that she conducted herself thus for the specific purpose of enraging me but i am glad to say that no nature could be more free than mine from vulgar jealousy and i spoke now from the mere wish that she should more carefully guard her reputation as before she exhibited a surprising meekness under this rebuke though i uneasily wondered if there might not be guile beneath it can i help it she asked if they like to show me attentions i guess i'm a free woman she lifted her head to observe a glass she had polished her eyes were curiously lighted she had this way of embarrassing me and invariably moreover she aroused all that is evil in my nature against the two cattle persons especially the buck one 
actually on another occasion professing admiration for his wavy chestnut hair i saw now that i could not trust myself to speak of the fellow i took up another matter that baby of yours is too horribly fat i said suddenly i had long meant to put this to her it's too fat it eats too much to my amazement the creature was transformed into a vixen it it too fat you call my boy it and say he's too fat don't you dare what does a creature like you know of babies why you wouldn't even know but the thing was too painful let her angry words be forgotten suffice to say she permitted herself to cry out things that might have given grave offence to one less certain of himself than i rather chilled i admit i was by her frenzied outburst i was shrewd enough to see instantly that anything in the nature of a criticism of her offspring must be led up to rather perhaps couched in less direct phrases than i had chosen fearful i was that she would burst into another torrent of rage but to my amazement she all at once smiled what a fool i am she exclaimed kidding me were you trying to make me mad about the baby well i'll give you good you did it yes sir i never would have thought you had a kidding streak in you old glum face little you know me i retorted and quickly withdrew for i was then more embarrassed than ever and besides there were other and graver matters forward to depress and occupy me in my fitful sleep of the night before i had dreamed vividly that i saw the honourable george being dragged shackled to the altar i trust i am not superstitious but the vision had remained with me in all its tormenting detail a veiled woman had grimly awaited him as he struggled with his uniformed captors i mean to say he was being hustled along by two constables that day let me now put down was to be the day of the most fearful shocks that a man of rather sensitive nervous organism has ever been called upon to endure there are now lines in my face that i make no doubt showed then for the first time and it was a day that dragged interminably so that i became fair off my head with the suspense of it feeling that at any moment the worst might happen for hours i saw no one with whom i could consult once i was almost moved to call up belknap jackson so intolerable was the menacing uncertainty but this i knew bordered on hysteria and i restrained the impulse with an iron will but i wretchedly longed for a sight of cousin egbert or the mixer or even of the honourable george someone to assure me that my horrid dream of the night before had been a baseless fabric as the saying is the very absence of these people and of his lordship was in itself 
ominous nervously i kept to a post at one of my windows where i could survey the street and here at midday i sustained my first shock terrific it was his lordship had emerged from the chemists across the street he paused a moment as if to recall his next mission then walked briskly off and this is what i had been stupefied to note he was clean-shaven the brinstead side whiskers were gone whiskers that had been worn in precisely that fashion by a tremendous line of the earls of brinstead and the tenth of his line had abandoned them as well i thought could he have defaced the brinstead arms it was plain as a pillar-box indeed the woman had our family at her mercy and she would show no mercy my heart sank as i pictured the honourable george in her toils my dream had been prophetic then i reflected that this very circumstance of his lord's having pandered to her lawless whim about his beard would go to show he had not yet given up the fight if the thing were hopeless i knew he would have seen her dashed before he would have relinquished it there plainly was still hope for poor george indeed his lordship might well have planned some splendid coup this defacement would be a part of his strategy suffered in anguish for his ultimate triumph quite cheered i became at the thought i still scanned the street crowd for someone who could acquaint me with developments i must have missed but then a moment later came the call by telephone of belknap jackson i answered it though with little hope than to hear more of his unending complaints about his lordship's negligence startled instantly i was however for his voice was stranger than i had known it even in moments of his acutest distress hoarse it was and his words alarming but hardly intelligible heard my god heard heard my god marriage marriage god but here he broke off into the most appalling laughter the blood-curdling laughter of a chained patient in a madhouse hardly could i endure it and grateful i was when i heard the line close even when he attempted vocables he had sounded quite like an inferior record on a phonographic machine but i had heard enough to leave me aghast beyond doubt now the very worst had come upon our family his lordship's tremendous sacrifice would have been all in vain marriage the honourable george was done for better had it been the typing girl i bitterly reflected her father had at least been a curate thankful enough i now was for the luncheon hour rush i could distract myself from the appalling disaster that day i took rather more than my accustomed charge of the serving i chatted with our business chaps recommending the joint in the highest terms drawing corks seeing that the relish was abundantly stocked at every table i was striving to forget 
mrs judson alone persisted in reminding me of the impending scandal a prince in his palace she would maliciously murmur as i encountered her i think she must have observed that i was bitter for she at last spoke quite amiably of our morning's dust-up you certainly got my goat she said in the quaint american fashion telling me little no-no was too fat you had me going there for a minute thinking you meant it the creature's name was albert yet she persisted in calling it no-no because the child itself would thus falsely declare its name upon being questioned having in some strange manner gained this impression it was another matter i meant to bring to her attention but at this crisis i had no heart for it my crowd left i was again alone to muse bitterly upon our plight still i scanned the street hoping for a sight of cousin egbert who i fancied would be informed as to the wretched details instead now i saw the honourable george he walked on the opposite side of the thoroughfare his manner of dejection precisely what i should have expected followed closely as usual he was by the judson cur a spirit of desperate mockery seized me i called to mrs judson who was gathering glasses from a table i indicated the pair mr barker i said is dogging his footsteps i mean to say i uttered the words in the most solemn manner little the woman knew that one may often be moved in the most distressing moments to a jest of this sort she laughed heartily being of quick discernment and thus jauntily did i carry my knowledge of the lowering cloud but i permitted myself no further sallies of that sort i stayed expectantly by the window and i dare say my bearing would have deceived the most alert i was steadily calm the situation called precisely for that the hours sped darkly and my fears mounted in sheer desperation at length i had myself put through to bernard jackson to my astonishment he seemed quite revived though in a state of feverish gaiety he fair bubbled just leaving this moment with his lordship to gather up some friends we meet at your place yes yes all the uncertainty is past better set up that largest table rather a celebration almost more confusing it was than his former message which had been confined to calls upon his maker and to maniac laughter was he i wondered merely making the best of it had he resolved to be a dead sportsman a few moments later he discharged his lordship at my door and drove rapidly on only a question of time it is when he will be had heavily for damages due to his reckless driving his lordship bustled in with a cheerfulness that staggered me he too was gay almost debonair a gardenia was in his lapel he was vogue to the last detail in a form-fitting grey morning suit that had all the style essentials almost it seemed as if three valets had been needed to groom him he briskly rubbed his hands biggest table people tea that sort of thing have a go of champagne too what what beard off 
much younger appearing? Of course, of course. Trust women, these matters. Tea, cake, toast, crumpets, marmalade, things like that. Plenty champagne, not happen every day. Ha, <laughs> ha. To my acute distress, he here thumbed me in the ribs and laughed again. Was he, too, I wondered, madly resolved to be a dead sportsman in the face of the unavoidable? I sought to edge in a discreet word of condolence, for I knew that between us there need be no pretense. I know you did your best, sir, I observed, and I was never quite free of a fear that the woman would prove too many for us. I trust the Honourable George but i had said as much as he would let me he interrupted me with his thumb again and on his face was what in a lesser person i should unhesitatingly have called a leer you dog you woman proved too many for us what what dare say you knew what to expect silly old george though how she could ever have fancied the juggins i was about to remark that the creature had of course played her game from entirely sordid motives and i should doubtless have ventured to applaud the game spirit in which he was taking the blow but before i could shape my phrases on this delicate ground mrs effie the senator and cousin egbert arrived they somewhat formally had the air of being expected all of them rushed upon his lordship with an excessive manner. Apparently, they were all to be dead sportsmen together. And then Mrs. Effie called me aside. You can do me a favor, she began, about the wedding breakfast and reception. Dear Kate's place is so small. It wouldn't do. There will be a crush, of course. I've had the loveliest idea for it. Our own house. You know how delighted we'd be. The Earl has been so charming, and everything has turned out so splendidly. Oh, I'd love to do them this little part in kindness. Use your influence like a good fellow, won't you, when the thing is suggested? Only too gladly, I responded, sick at heart, and she returned to the group. Well, I knew her motive. She was by way of getting even with the Belknap Jacksons as cousin egbert in his american fashion would put it she was trying to pass them a bison but i was willing enough she should house the dreadful affair the more private the better thought i a moment later belknap jackson's car appeared at my door now discharging the klondike woman effusively escorted by the mixer and by mrs belknap jackson the latter at least i had thought would show more principle but she had buckled atrociously quite as had her husband who had quickly almost merrily followed them there was increased gaiety as they seated themselves about the large table a silly noise of pretended felicitation over a calamity that not even the tenth earl of brinstead had been able to avert and then Belknap Jackson beckoned me aside. I want your help, old chap, in case it's needed, he began. The wedding breakfast and reception, I said quite cynically. You thought of it, good. 
Her own place is far too small. Crowd, of course. And it's rather proper at our place, too, his lordship having been our house guest, you see? Use what influence you have. The affair will be rather widely commented on. Even the New York papers, I dare say. Count upon me, I answered blandly, even as I had promised Mrs. Effie. Disgusted I was. Let them maul each other about over the wretched honor. They could all be dead sports if they chose. But I was now firmly resolved that for myself I should make not a bit of pretense. The creature might trick poor George into a marriage, but I, for one, would not affect to regard it as other than a blight upon our house. I was just on the point of hoping that the victim himself might have cut off to unknown parts when I saw him enter. By the other members of the party he was hailed with cries of delight, though his own air was finely honest, being dejected in the extreme. He was dressed as regrettably as usual, this time in parts of two lounge suits. As he joined those at the table, I constrained myself to serve the champagne. Senator Flood arose with a brimming glass. My friends, he began in his public-speaking manner, let us remember that Red Gap's loss is England's gain. To the future Countess of Brinstead. To my astonishment, this appalling breach of good taste was received with the loudest applause, nor was his lordship the least clamorous of them. I mean to say, the chap had as good as wished that his lordship would directly pop off. It was beyond me. I walked to the farthest window and stood a long time gazing pensively out. I wished to be away from that false show. But they noticed my absence at length and called to me monstrously i was desired to drink to the happiness of the groom i thought they were pressing me too far but as they quite gabbled now with their tea and things i hoped to pass it off the senator however seemed to fasten me with his eye as he proposed the toast to the happy man i drank perforce a body would think bill was drinking to the judge remarked cousin egbert in a high voice eh i said startled to this outburst by his strange words good old george exclaimed his lordship owe it all to the old juggins what what the klondike person spoke i heard her voice as a bell pealing through breakers at sea i mean to say i was now fair dazed not to old george said she to old ruggles to old ruggles promptly cried the senator and they drank muddled indeed i was again in my eventful career i felt myself tremble i knew not what i should say any savoir-faire being quite gone i had received a crumpler of some sort but what sort my sleeve was touched i turned blindly as in a nightmare 
the hobbs cub who was my vestiari was handing me our evening paper i took it from him staring until my knees grew weak across the page in clarion type rang the unbelievable words british peer wins american bride his lordship tenth earl of brinstead to wed one of redgap's fairest daughters my hands so shook that in quick subterfuge i dropped the sheet then stooped for it trusting to control myself before i again raised my face mercifully the others were diverted by the journal it was seized from me passed from hand to hand the incredible words read aloud by each in turn they jested of it amazing chaps your pressmen thus the tenth earl of brinstead while i pinched myself viciously to bring back my lost aplomb speedy beggars what what never knew it myself till last night she would and she wouldn't <laughs> i think you knew said the lady stricken as i was i noted that she eyed him rather strangely quite as if she felt some decent respect for him marriage is serious boomed the mixer don't blame her swear i don't returned his lordship few days to think it over quite right quite right got to know their own minds my word while their attention was thus mercifully diverted from me my own world by painful degrees resumed its stability i mean to say i am not the fainting sort but if i were then i should have keeled over at my first sight of that journal but now i merely recovered my glass of champagne and drained it rather pigged it a bit i fancy badly needing a stimulant i was to be sure they now discussed details the ceremony that sort of thing before a registrar quickest way said his lordship nonsense church of course rumbled the mixer very arbitrarily quite so then assented his lordship get me the rector of the parish a vicar a curate uh something of that sort then the breakfast and reception suggested mrs effie with a meaning glance at me before she turned to the lady of course dearest your own tiny nest would never hold your host of friends i've never noticed said the other quickly it always seemed big enough she added in pensive tones and with downcast eyes oh not large enough by half put in belknap jackson most charming little home nook but world's too small for all your well-wishers with a glance at me he narrowed his eyes in friendly calculation i'm somewhat puzzled myself suppose we see what the capable ruggles has to suggest let ruggles suggest something by all means cried mrs effie i mean to say they both quite thought they knew what i would suggest but it was nothing of the sort the situation had entirely changed quite another sort of thing it was 
quickly i resolved to fling them both aside i too would be a dead sportsman i was about to suggest i remarked that my place here is the only one at all suitable for the breakfast and reception i can promise that the affair will go off smartly the two had looked up with such radiant expectation at my opening words and were so plainly in a state at my conclusion that i dare say the future countess of brinstead at once knew what she flashed them a look then eyed me with quick understanding great she exclaimed in a hearty american manner then that's settled she continued briskly as both belknap jackson and mrs effie would have interposed ruggles shall do everything take it off our shoulders ices flowers invitations the invitation list will need great care of course remarked belknap jackson with a quite savage glance at me but you just called him the capable ruggles insisted the fiance we shall leave it all to him how many will you ask ruggles her eyes flicked from mine to belknap jackson quite almost every one i answered firmly fine she said ripping said his lordship his lordship will of course wish a best man suggested belknap jackson i should be only too glad you're going to suggest ruggles again cried the lady just the man for it you're quite right why we owe it all to ruggles don't we she here beamed upon his lordship belknap jackson wore an expression of the keenest disrelish of course course replied his lordship dashed good man ruggles owe it all to him what what i fancy in the cordial excitement of the moment he was quite sincere as to her ladyship i am to this day unable to still a faint suspicion that she was having me on true she owed it all to me but i hadn't a bit meant it and well she knew it subtle she was i dare say but bore me no malice though she was not above setting belknap jackson back a pace or two each time he moved up a final toast was drunk and my guests drifted out belknap jackson again glared savagely at me as he went but mrs effie rather outglared him even i should hardly have cared to face her at that moment and i was still in a high state of muddle it was all beyond me had his lordship i wondered too seriously taken my careless words about american equality of course i had meant them to apply only to those stopping on in the states cousin egbert lingered to the last rather with a troubled air of wishing to consult me when i at length came up with him he held the journal before me indicating lines in the article relict of an alaskan capitalist now for some years one of red gap's social favorites read that there he commanded grimly then with a terrific earnestness i had never before remarked in him say listen here i better go round right off and mix it up with that fresh guy what's he hinting around at by that there word relict why say she was married to him 
i hastily corrected his preposterous interpretation of the word much to his relief i was still in my precious state of muddle mrs judson took occasion to flounce by me in her work of clearing the table a prince in his palace she taunted i laughed in a lofty manner why you poor thing i've known it all for some days i said well i must say you're the deep one if you did never letting on she was unable to repress a glance of admiration at me as she moved off i stood where she had left me meditating profoundly End of chapter 19